everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Catching Fire, How Teams Win, your favorite podcast about team performance and company culture. Today, we have with us Jim Moran. Jim is in the USA. He is a project consultant and mentor and a former global manager in the procurement department in Honeywell International Incorporation. And he was recommended by some of his colleagues as they said that he is really a great leader. Nice to have you, Jim. Hey, thanks for having me, Mohammed. I'm super excited to be here at this you. conversation. Thank you. I'm really, truly, truly, I'm honored because we need to shed light more and more on great leaders like you. And I heard a lot of great things about you. So speaking about the great things that I heard about you, let's go and start with the first question, which is from your own point of view, Jim, what is the biggest challenge that can face a leader? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a great, uh, that's a great question, right? Um, and I wonder how many leaders ask themselves that. What is my challenge? What is my role, right? There's a difference between a manager and a leader. A manager manages people. A uh, leader uh, points them in the right direction. They get a team moving in the same direction for a common goal. And I think that biggest challenge is keeping your team moving towards a finish line. And um, there's, I found four main ways where you can really keep your team moving towards a finish line. First of all, do they know what the finish line looks like? You know, sometimes uh, your, your team's busy doing um, work. They're just filing reports, but are they doing something that's meaningful, getting them towards the finish line? So you really have to describe that finish line or better yet, let your team describe the finish line. What do they think it looks like? If everybody has a different finish line, then you're not going towards the same goal, right? So you have to kind of agree and settle on that established finish line. So, so paint that picture of what that finish line looks like and then write it down, put it someplace where everybody can see it. Um, second thing is, do they know how to get there? Do they know how to get to the finish line? Um, what are the processes and documentations that you uh, need to apply to get to that finish line? Do they exist? You need to create them. Do they work? Uh, will they get you to that finish line or do they need to be adjusted? You know, constant review and adjust and improve the, your processes, your documentation to get you to that finish line and uh, trust your teammates to tell you that it's not working or that there are improvements and ways to do it better. Um, you know, third thing is, have you identified the roadblocks? What's, in, what's standing in your team's way from getting to that finish line? And how can you as a leader um, remove those roadblocks? And um, make sure, because that's really the leader's role is to remove the roadblocks so your team can perform at their best. So uh, figure out what those roadblocks are, figure out a plan to get to remove them and tell your team, yeah, I'm removing those roadblocks. We're going to get, we're going to get you there. I'm going to help you get there. And then um, the fourth thing is, can the team continue without you? So if you're taking a vacation, if you're out sick, if you're traveling um, and you're not in communication uh, with your team, do they know what to do? Do they know how to move forward? So really you do that by really describing why you're doing what you're doing as a team. So processes and documentations are the how or the what, but really why are we doing this? So once they capture the why, um, then they can really 
move on their own um, towards that finish line. They can continue on. And um, a few ways that I've uh, helped them move towards their why is through the processes and documentations, but also creating captains within the team that says, all right, um, you know, you over here are going to work on this product, or actually they volunteer, work on this part of the, of the goal, work on this goal. This one over here is going to say, I'm going to improve this part over here. And um, it's amazing how when it, it all comes together, um, everybody's kind of working on improving the team, the process, and the why. You know, how are we going to get there? And um, really for remote global teams, um, have an effective collaboration and, and processes set up for collaboration um, is critical as well, where everybody can contribute, everybody can see how we're moving forward, everybody can see what, what changes uh, have been made, and um, everybody feels included in that sense. You know, you know, Jim, you hit on a very important point, point number four, and what you said right now, regarding are they capable of doing what they need to do, even if you're not in the office? And I remember very, very well that we discussed this point before, before this uh, uh, meeting together or before this podcast uh, episode, when I was telling you that I know some people who do it, who does this on purpose or who do this on purpose, when they are going outside on vacation, Okay, and these people, no matter if they are project managers, they are leaders, they are ex executives, they insist on trying to leave roadblocks behind them in order mm -hmm. that the company knows their value, okay, when they are outside and not at work. They want to feel that the company and the people need them all the time. They thrive on the idea that everybody should reach out to them during their vacation, should, they should call them and all of these things because this makes them feel happy, this makes them feel important and this is not what true leadership is about. We agree, both of us, about this topic. The most idealistic way for leadership is when you are when everything can work by itself without you even in the picture. And to add to the points that you spoke about right now is... I fully agree with what you said, because I was always saying to the people that I work with, leadership is very, very simple. You just have to paint a picture, which is the vision, to show the people where they are going, which is the clarity. And then after this, after this, all what you need to do is to create the atmosphere so that you are able really to help them create or achieve. As simple as that. But sometimes we love to complicate the things, unfortunately. But anyway... <laughs> Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, if I'm going on vacation, I don't want to have all those phone calls, those emails to worry about. Um, in the back of in the back of your head, it's like, all right, how did that meeting go? Um, and and it, it shows trust to the team as well that I trust you to get your job done. You know, um, sometimes a leader just has to get out of the way to let their the the team uh, do their job. Right? Um, they're the professionals. Yes. And, um, you have to know when to get out of the way. Um, and you have to know when to take over in terms of um, shielding the team from um, executives, from um, upper managers that are trying to do that, trying to clog it, trying to assign them extra work that really isn't in their function. Yes. Let us speak about goal setting and performance review meetings. You mentioned to me your creative strategy when it comes to goal setting, and I truly loved it. Can you share it with our audience? Yeah, so goal settings, um, there's really goal setting. Um, everybody talks about smart goals, but um, are they really useful goals? You know, are they goals that will help you get to your finish line, that will help your team be successful? 
Uh, a lot of uh, what I've seen, especially working with a Fortune 100 company, is um, there's not a whole lot of thought that goes into it. They have a stat, really, a statistic that they just throw down. Um, I consider those lazy goals because they're just thrown out there. They're not being very creative. And do they really help? You know, um, I feel the team members must have control over their goals. So it, it has to be a, a goal where um, they can control it. If they perform well, this goal will do well. If they perform not as well, um, they're not going to meet their goal. Um, how many goals are out there where they perform at the top at their peak level of performance but because of an outside team member or outside um, influences the economy something it they just can't reach their goal right and that's why are we setting up teams for failure um, by by just setting up goals where they don't have control over it uh, and, and that's really tough to do um, but i figured out you know, I've used percentages a lot instead of dollar totals. Um, you know, when I was leading the sourcing team, um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of the goals that I saw from other sourcing departments were dollar totals. Right, like, you have to meet this, have to save this many millions of dollars. Yes. You have to uh, you have to have uh, 75% of your spend um, go through e-auctions and those kind of things. Well, what that does is it create a, a, a situation where you're just chasing the savings dollars. You're just chasing the e-auctions. Hmm. Our goal was to design supply chains for new product launch. So why are we chasing savings? Why are we chasing e-auctions. In a lot of cases, the e-auctions didn't apply to the project. They didn't help. They slowed it down. So why, uh, why would I have those in there? So what I found was, you, you're, you know, in our case, we're given a, a total bill of material cost for a product. Um, let's track the percentage of our end cost versus what the planned cost was. So that way, it's something that we have direct control about. Right, it, it's not based on a cost total cost dollar savings. Where if the if the sales end up drying up, now they're not going to meet that that target, and that's out of their control. But with the percentage, now they can control that. It's regardless of how many parts we sell. So they so really it has to be attainable, right? Don't set yourself up for failure. Um, and the goals must align with your finish line. Right. So if you have your finish line established, you can have your goals established so that if they meet these goals, they're going to get to their finish line or they're going to get closer to their finish line. And um, the last thing I do is really I let them create a growth goal of their choosing. So um, where I've been at previously, they have five goals that we're required to enter in. I give them one that they pick. What's something that they're going to work towards to improve themselves. And I kind of sit back and let them go. Some of them like on a sourcing, they, with the sourcing team, they're saying, I want to develop my project management skills. All right, so let's figure out uh, where we can do some training and um, let's record your training hours. Um, someone says, I want to get an MBA. That's great, let's, let's work on, let's find some classes and how can we help move you forward there? So, um, 
it's it's fun how uh, it's fun to let them choose their own goal as well in terms of their growth. So I'm not telling them how to grow. They're figuring out how to grow. Sometimes they're not related to your current project in their own growth. And um, to me, that's really important um, because also after like say six months, you're looking at your goals again and you look at their personal goal and that's usually the one that's fallen behind. Yes. So I require them to set time aside to work on that goal. I said, I'm going to review this at the end of the year and we're going to, you know, that's part of your grade is how did you apply this goal you set for yourself? So make sure you're setting aside time to uh, work on your own personal goal. You know, you know, when we're coming to this point, I just want to add something. And that's what I like about your approach here, uh, Jim. Uh, most of the companies take the topic, if, if they have the internal system, it depends on each company, if they have the internal system to make the mid-year and end-of-year reviews and all of these things, they usually, or most of the managers, they don't have time for it. So they are just trying to make it something like a checkbox to finish it. Yeah. And if they care about it, they only care about the company goals or the, 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 the goals that they received or the targets that they received from their upper management and they want to achieve as a team. So when it comes, especially in the part of the development, or the person developing his or her own skills, they don't care that much. For example, if you came at the end, if you if you come at the end of the year and you said to your boss, "Hey, I achieved almost all my goals, but I didn't achieve my development goals," he would say, "Fair enough," or she will say, "Fair enough, it's okay, no problem." But the other way around is a little bit hard to accept. You mm -hmm. If you achieve the development goal, but not, for example, the corporate goal, which of course part of it makes sense. Yes, you at the company want the revenue, but on the in the same time, at the same time, you need to focus also on the skills of your employees. I also know a lot of employees that I worked with in different countries around the world, and they were always saying, we are not so much motivated to learn a new skill because we don't feel that we have the space to apply the skill that we learn in our workspace or in the company that we're working at or in our job each day. So it's not only about getting the people to learn or develop themselves. We also need to create the environment for them that they are able to connect what they learn with how they can use it in real life. Yeah, that's the big secret. If, yes. if you're taking care of your teammates and if they're reaching their goals, guess what happens with my goals to my boss? All of a sudden, those are now improving as well. It's, it, it's um, you know, all ships rise. So if I'm helping my teammates accomplish their goals and my goals are aligned with those goals as well, all the way up, um, yes everybody performs well. And, and I, I understand the need for goals. And um, a lot of times you have to uh, quantify your goals. Um, but what I try to avoid is making goals the priority. Again, it's the finish line. That's the priority. It's not how many dollars am I saving, but you still have to report those. Yes. So I made it my challenge to make reporting easy and fast. It shouldn't take a team member more than 15 minutes to do a monthly report that I then have to report yes. up, right? So I, I really worked hard to um, work with the team to figure out um, processes in a reporting structure where um, it would take them 15 minutes a month to report their data. And um, we had a project deck that would also um, track current projects. It was, it was current and up to date so that if I'm in a meeting reporting on a project, I had the data with me. And, um, you know, it, 
again, those wouldn't take more than five minutes to fill out. So I worked really hard to make it meaningful and make the reporting easy and fast. I, I want them out there doing their job, talking to suppliers, talking to team members, talking to project managers, doing their job instead of reporting. Okay. What if, what if you found that you have a good employee, but in the wrong place, uh, what are you going to do? Or have you ever passed through a similar situation before? Uh, yeah, sometimes you have a teammate that um, just doesn't align with your, your team's finish line, where, where they're trying to go. Um, and I have had that challenge before. Um, I've had it where the, the teammates have left the team, and I've had it where they've become an integral member of the team. Um, obviously, you can't force somebody uh, to really work with the team, you know. Um, and really, when you're forming any team, there, there's four main stages to it. There's forming, there's storming, there's norming, and conforming, which um, you might know by other terminology, it rhymes in English. So that's what we use. So there's forming when everybody's getting together, figuring out who's doing what, uh, where are we going, um, you know, and then there's storming where everybody's kind of tripping over each other, getting in each other's way, um, but also feeling each other's, each other out. And then there's norming when, okay, we've already, we're starting to gel as a, as a team. We're start we figured out who does what, who's uh, better at, at this task and who's better at that task and those kind of things. And then there's performing when it all comes together. Now we're all moving forward. Um, and you, you have to go through all four of those stages. But if there's so early on, you really have to get to know your teammates. What do they want to accomplish? Where do they want to go? And does that align with what your team wants to do? So I leave an open space for sharing personal family info. I don't pry, but in our one-on-ones, you know, I might ask, how's the family doing? Um, is everybody healthy? Um, you know, during COVID, it was, uh, how, is everybody around you healthy? What are your COVID numbers? What are you guys doing to stay safe? And those kind of things. Mm. Um, and, and, it's, and once they really start to trust you, they, they might open up a little bit more. Um, some of them still keep it close to the vest and all that, but really it, it's, it's helpful to just have that open space. And if they don't want to talk, that's fine. Right. Um, but you also kind of figure out what they want to do. Um, ask people what they do when they're not at work, because that's a really telling part of who they are. You know, if, if they're a family person, they love to go on vacations. You know, they love to spend time with their family. They, they love to be outdoors, you know, so, you know, they're kind of an energetic person, right? If they, if, if they're coaching a sports team, then you know that they love working with people. They love developing people. Right, so they, they're probably more in a leadership role, um, you know, for your team or captaincy role. Um, and if for some reason it's just, you can't seem to get on the same page, um, I've supported transitions, you know, let's find another place, another team for you to join um, that, that probably suits you a little bit better. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's with the same company, sometimes it's not. Um, I've given recommendations for people that have left my team because it's, I want, I honestly want to see them do well. Um, 
and I really don't take it personal. It's, you know, you want to have somebody on your team that, that, that trusts you and that you can trust moving forward. Yes. Um, and, you know, give them the tools to make it the right place. So um, if they're not, if they, if you can figure out a way to work with them or, you know, um, if they decide to stick with the team, what is their challenge? Why do they, why does it seem like it's not a fit? What can we change? And then um, that's really part of listening, right? Yes. Um, how can we make this work better? And then um, put them in charge or at least assist them with solving that challenge, right? Sometimes it's, it's uh, working with uh, other you know, outside departments, um, teams outside of your department. And, and um, it's just frustrating that way, right? So I've worked with other, uh, with team members before saying, how can we deal with this together? Um, is there something we can improve with our processes that will help expedite um, or alleviate the stress with, with working with these outside teams? Um, and, um, you know, I always support my teammates to grow, um, you know, I like to be a runway for their career so they can take off. And, um, you know, like I said, I've had team members leave my team. I've helped them do it. Um, and I've helped them do it because either it's not my idea of what the team goal is, it doesn't match theirs. Um, but most of the time when they've left my, my team, it's really because they're, they're ready for a bigger challenge. Yeah, yes. and, and that's really fun to, 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 you know, let them grow, watch them grow. Um, all you did was give them the soil and the water and a, and a bit of sunlight. And then all of a sudden they're blooming and, and they're, they're off of bigger, better things. You, you were just speaking right now about supporting your team. Mm -hmm. Then let me ask you, how do you make sure that your team is engaged? Are there any specific rituals or routines that you follow? Yeah, definitely. The first thing I did was I paint a picture of the leader I wanted to be. Yes. Um, so I imagined my favorite leaders, um, former managers that I took inspiration from, um, books I've read on leadership, um, and and you know maybe some linkedin influencers people that that really have like painted a picture of of what true leadership is and i, I think about quite often uh who's the leader i want to be and i write these down i write down these actions this is i i paint the picture and um for me a lot of those things were show up okay if you have a meeting scheduled show up to that meeting, whether it's an internal team meeting or it's an external meeting, um, be known as the person that shows up. If you're not going to make it, cancel it or reschedule, right? Um, there's nothing worse than showing up to a meeting and the person you want to meet with is not there and you're just kind of waiting around. You got other things you got to do. Um, but especially for the team, show up and be there. Do what you promise. Um, do what I promise. If I'm promising something, it's it's, I'm confident that I'm going to get it done. So don't overpromise either, right? Um, make sure you get it done. Um, I helped the team work on things that we're proud of. 
right? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What's something where you want to get out of bed and start working on this project? Um, I do that a few ways, helping the team work on things we're proud of. We celebrate the wins, mm-hmm. big or small. Um, if it's, uh, I negotiated this contract and saved 5%, mm. you know, we talk about it at the team meeting and we all celebrate it. Um, if, even if it's a personal one, um, I ran a 5k, you know, yes. I've been working real hard to, to run a 5k race. Uh, that's awesome. Congrats, you know, um, and, or, Hey, this project finished. It was successful. Um, that's amazing. Let's make sure that we celebrate it, not just in our team, but externally. Uh, when I was with Honeywell, they did have a very good method of uh, process for celebrating team wins. And where it would go up, the, the, all the VPs would see it and uh, congratulate your team on that. And, and I think that's really important. Um, one thing I've done is um, I have a Frisbee that I keep here in my office. Okay, it's it's it it's uh, it's been in my family for a long time. It was my dad's, mm-hmm. so he was a nuclear engineer, and they had a project where they were putting a um, containment dome on a uh, nuclear reactor, and this was a huge project, billions of dollars, and. Um, when the project was done, they had t-shirts made up. They have these little Frisbees. This was like 1981. Yes. And um, the, the point is they did something that was uh, really important. They did something that um, they were really proud of that they would want to put on a t-shirt. So I've used that as an example of let's work on something that we want to celebrate. What's something you want to put on a Frisbee? What's something you want to put on a t-shirt and let's, uh, let's celebrate it, you know, like that. So that's, that's one way. Another way is I think we've talked about before keeping teams engaged is, um, figure out what is your why, um, not your what or your how, but your why. Um, I think Simon Sinek talks about that in his book. Um, start with why yes once you figure that out it's um everything else kind of flows with it and it keeps everybody pointed towards the right direction okay and um virtual collaboration really is a challenge for keeping teams engaged yes my team was global i was the only one based in the united states um there are quite a few in europe some in latin america and um, you know, and, and there might be one or two in, in Asia. So how do you keep a team engaged when you're so virtual like that? I, I spent a lot of time developing our, our virtual collaboration processes and locations, whether it was Microsoft Teams, to have not only a place where we could report on our projects, but also a place where we could share info. I had a uh, Microsoft Teams channel where all it was was personal pictures. Show me a picture of your dog. Show me a picture of your kid doing something cute, that kind of stuff, right? And um, we were able to stay engaged that way. Um, and also on there, we had team meeting notes. I would keep our team meeting notes on on a um, SharePoint type thing where 
every meeting, I would keep notes. I would type up the notes. These are the main things that we talked that we discussed. That way, if someone missed the meeting, um, they can just go back and review what we discussed. So therefore, they can then further ask me questions about it. Hey, I saw in the team meeting we talked about this. Can we expand on this a little bit more? And I think that helps people feel engaged as well. You know, um, with with COVID, it was a big challenge for everybody working from home. So I felt um, collaboration was key for making sure everybody was engaged and all that. So, but really I, I had a weekly meeting with my team. It was really the highlight of my week because I, I really enjoyed working with the team. But I, I, I set the agenda most of the time, but I always left time at the end of the meetings. I left it open. What do you guys want to talk about? Sometimes someone would raise their hand and say, I got this problem. Can you guys help me figure this out? Um, and it's really a time to just kind of open up and listen to what um, the team members have going on, uh, what issues they have. And once you start getting other team members helping them solve the problems, that's when, that's when you know you're really clicking as a team. Everybody's engaged um, and everybody's kind of moving forward. So that way you really develop a sense of trust, helping your, your team, who are the experts, um, trust them to develop a better way of performing their jobs. And, you know, and um, I think the main thing was I created an atmosphere where they could tell me I'm wrong, right? Mm. It's not my job to be right. No, that's very important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, I mean, there were plenty of times where I would say, what do you guys think of this? And I've heard, I had quite a few team members say, that is a bad idea. Mm. <laughs> or um, if we do this, that's going to create a lot of problems. What if we did this instead? And guess what? Their ideas were fantastic. And mm. you know, they were the experts. They were the one doing the work every day. So um, really listening and getting that, feedback uh, was really helpful. And that's hard. It can be hard for a leader because, you know, you feel like you need to be right. You're the one that everybody looks up to. But um, I felt that it, it actually helped with trust and it helped with the performance of my team to realize that, um, hey, if I have an idea, I'm going to speak up about it. I want to have an open place to share ideas. Um, I've been on teams where, where ideas were, were quelched, were, 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 um, they were not accepted, accepted and, and and yeah that's when you start to pull back like well if they don't want to hear my ideas and what am i you know all right fine i'll you know figure out a different team that i can work with that will share my ideas or um oh yeah i don't feel as important because i can't share my ideas and and all that so yes i know i know what you're speaking about actually actually all what you're speaking about right now is very very valid and important more than ever right now because of the COVID and the remote work and all of these things and i fully understand your point you are dedicating a lot of time focusing on the people it's very very clear from everything that you're speaking about right now jim and this is something that we need more and more uh, from in our business nowadays and let's imagine right now that you did all of these things to get the people engaged mm -hmm. uh, remotely online offline anything that you prefer and then still the performance of one of your team members is low or his performance or her performance was high and then it dropped or the performance itself dropped uh what are you gonna do 
Yeah, that's that's certainly an interesting challenge. Um, first thing I do is I I try to you know get to the root cause. That's the engineer in me. What's the root cause here? What's the five why to get there? Um, and I've had a, a few examples of this as well. And in, in quite a few cases, it wasn't work related. You know, so in, in your one-on-one -on -one meetings or even just a separate phone call um, or discussion, it's just dig a little deeper. Hmm. Okay. Um, so if it's not related to work, if it's not something with the business, you know, there, there could be something going on at home. Um, as an example, once once COVID hit, um, I was working real close with the teammate. Um, she has a, had a young child. She has a young child, and um, it was difficult separating being a mom now that she's working at home and being a professional. Yes, and it because normally the home space was my mom and it's really difficult for a two-year-old, a three-year-old to understand, Hey, I'm in front of the laptop now. Now I have my work face on kind of thing. And that was real stressful. Hmm. Um, so we, we figured out a way to, to make it so that there were clear, um, there was a clear environment for working, you know, um, find a place where, you know, you're only concentrating on the, on your, your work things, whether it's a bedroom or a closet, you know, set up your own special workplace, um, get up in the morning and shower and dress as if you're going to work. Um, so that way you feel like you're at work and you're more engaged with work. Um, and make sure you have something set up so that there's, um, if you're in the middle of a meeting and, and your, your child's breaking down, that there's a way to, um, uh, make sure that that your child's taken care of because that's always in the back of your head. You're you know you're you're a, a parent first, and I told her that you're a parent first, so I get that. Um, but also, don't be afraid to shut the laptop down and go take care of your child if they're not feeling well, if they're having a bad day. Just go and take care of it and do what you need to do. But by, um, by the way, I'm interrupting you right now. Sorry for this one, but watch out for what you are saying because after this episode is released. I promise you, a lot of people will be searching for you and want to work with you, okay, because of all the things that you are speaking about right now and this environment. <laughs> yeah, well, I always tell them it's, um, and again, I got this from one of my, my mentors, one of my former leaders, do your work when it's best for you to do your work, um, wherever you need to get it done. As long as you're getting it done, it doesn't matter. I don't require you require you to go from eight in the morning to five at night. Mm. Um, and especially in a global atmosphere, that's really difficult. Um, but it's, you know, where do you need to work? What times do you need to work just to get the job done? Um, and if, if you need to cut out an hour, two hours out of the middle of your day, block them off in your calendar because that's when you're going to have lunch with your, your family um, and, and put your child on for a nap, mm -hmm. then you got to do that, right? That, and um, in fact, in this case, I also had her take Fridays off for a whole month. I said, just take off Friday. I don't, don't put it in the system, just take it off and just block your calendar. Say you're busy, say you're out of the office. And, um, and yeah, performance 
improved, but more importantly, um, attitude and enthusiasm improved when it came time for work. Um, and so again, I think this is a general theme. It's if you're taking care of your, your teammates, then um, the, the, the work, their performance improves and it shines a lot better on you. you know? um, and, and sometimes though, it's not something at home. Sometimes it is work-related. Um, I usually uh, improve the frequency, increase the frequency of my personal contact with them, whether it's one-on-ones. If it's normally 30 minutes, maybe I extend it to an hour. If um, I talk them up to everybody. Um, if there's any kind of uh, confidence issue, you know, perhaps I talk them up a little bit more than I normally do. You know, I, I try to talk up teammates as much as possible, but perhaps I crank it up a little, a little bit more. Um, I make sure that they're working on a win. Is this something, are they working on a project that they can win or is this a project that's going to fail and they know it and therefore they're not as enthused or they don't want to put the time and effort into it because it's something they're going to, you know, that's not going to come out ahead. Um, and, and sometimes it's just a roadblock that they need cleared. And mm. how can I help them clear that roadblock? So we really got to kind of dive in, dig a little deeper and figure out um, what's going on. No wonder, no wonder really, with full honesty, no wonder really that a lot of people recommended you for this interview right now and said that you are really a great leader and that we, we need to have you here. And I'm honored to have you here really, Jim. I myself right now, when I'm listening to you, I feel, okay, I want to be one of his team members. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> and let, let, me, let me add something to the point that you said right now uh, regarding giving the people the flexibility to choose and to design their days. There was, another, there was a company that I know, this was before the COVID, and uh, without mentioning the name of this company. And they were trying one time, they were creative enough to say, you know what, we want to do the things in a different way and we don't care about the, we know that there will be internal resistance. We know that there's things uh, that some people will not like changing the ways, even if it's even if it's changed in a positive way, because change is hard anyway. So they said, but we want to try something else to make the employees happier. And then they came and said to the employees with full transparency, you know, starting this month, we want to roll out a new process or a new style of work. Uh, we gonna, you're going to be held accountable only for your goals monthly, and we don't care how, where you work and how long you work. What I care for right now is the outcome. And then, but here is the catch. Here is the catch. Here is the humane part. They didn't come and say this only. They came and said, but if you are struggling in the middle to meet your goals, we count on you to come and speak with us and to ask for support and help. So, because also, by the way, asking the people only based on their end goals or can backfire because they, sometimes some people can do some great work, but they didn't achieve their goals. And then in this condition, it, it cannot be, it will not be so much fair. So they told them, uh, we will, you'll be accountable for the goals at the end of the month. And at the same time, if you need help, raise your hand. So this yeah. was the balance. And then they said, we will roll it out. If we see that every, the results are showing uh, are, or the numbers are uh, getting better, then we'll keep it. If not, we'll roll it back. And then they saw tremendous increase in the performance of their team members. And I'm reminding you again, this was before the COVID. And then they decided to keep it or to implement this system permanently. But it takes a lot of courage, a, a huge shift in the mindset of the leadership in a team inside a company to do something like this. 
because of the social influence and a lot of things. If you are a part of, uh, if you, let's say, if you are a, a leader at a big company and everybody around you is doing the things in a specific way, it's very, very hard that you break out this social influence. So what I'm trying to say is I truly appreciate what you are speaking about right now, uh, no matter if it's in the COVID or uh, before or after. And I know that this, these tips, if, if the people use or leaders use, it can really add value to their departments, their companies, and their teams. Speaking, uh, and this is my last question, by the way, speaking about the third question when I was asking you, or yeah, it was the third question. When I asked you, uh, what if you found out that you have a good employee, but in the wrong place? If you remember, you answered and said that you will try to know the people. This is part of the answer, not the full answer. You said you wanted to know the people more on a personal level, to know what they are doing outside of work, if they like to go on vacation with their families, or if they are having any hobbies that they are doing outside or any position that they are filling outside. So this takes me to ask you the same question, because I know that besides leading people in the corporate world, you are also leading and coaching a female soccer team. Can you tell me what drove you to do this outside of your day-to-day -day job? Yeah, um, it's really my daughters. It's the ladies on the soccer team. It's your daughters. It's um, I, I'm making leaders out of them. Yes. Um, you know, I, I tell them all the time they don't need to have a captain's armband to lead. Um, they have the 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 freedom to be creative, to try things, to fail figure out how it works and then succeed yes. um, and giving them the confidence to do that. And I th it, it goes beyond just the next game. It goes beyond just this season. Um, and I've applied so much of what I've learned coaching soccer into um, leading professionals. So the, the current soccer team I have is 18 girls that are 13 and 14 years old. If I can get 18 girls doing the same thing, going towards the same goal, um, I should be able to handle four or five um, team members going towards <laughs> the same goal, right? Um, and it's, um, so I've been able to apply a lot of what I've learned coaching soccer into leading business professionals and vice versa. Um, you know, I'm an engineer at heart, so I, I, I know how to test and, um, and then take a look at the results and then improve and adjust. Um, one thing I've figured is that some people you need to push, hmm. they respond to, um, a little bit of a shove to get them moving forward, to keep to, so that they know that they can do this, right. Or at least to give it a try other people, you need to really kind of back off and slowly build them up as yes. well. Hmm. And, uh, there's, there's probably 20 different tactics for dealing with people. Um, and you got to figure out the right way. And sometimes it is just kind of um, testing here and there who's responding to this and, and yes. who's, who responds better to this kind of tactic. You know, there's a general balance between um, building confidence and pushing for objectives. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, you, you obviously always want to push to get your objectives going um, and to get help them meet their objectives. Um, and, but you also want to make sure that you're building that confidence so they know that they can reach that. And, um, you know, in the corporate world, it's all about hitting target, hitting your target, uh, meeting your KPI. In soccer, it's all about 
wins and losses and scoring goals. But that's um, that's if you're looking at it, at it in, a, in, a, in a finite manner, if you're looking at it for this month, if you're looking at it for just this year. For me as a coach or even as a, a team leader manager, it's about creating confident leaders. It's captains, it's uh, teammates that can rely that, you know, your teammates can rely on their teammates to do their role, right? The defenders can rely on the forward to put the ball in the back of the net. Defenders can rely on the goalkeeper to save, uh, to save the ball. Um, it's confidence to try something new um, and to learn something new. You know, I tell them to be brave enough to suck at something new, mm. right? And then figure out how to get it done. And it, it's amazing when all of a sudden that light bulb goes off, they figured it out and that confidence goes and all of a sudden performance in a game just explodes because now they figured out that, you know, they have the tools, they have the confidence in themselves to just go get it. Yes. You know, m my soccer girls go off to high school. They go off to different coaches. They go to college. Um, or even in the working force, right? And um, I can't control after they leave my team, you know, just in another year, they're gonna be off to high school, new team, new set of players, new coach. And um, they go on to bigger, better roles with new managers, new teams. Um, and that's what I'm preparing them for. Yes. I mean, let me tell you, there's no greater feeling than watching someone fly off the runway that you created. That's fantastic way to end this interview with really. And I want to tell you that we need more people like you in, uh, on the head of our organizations. Really, I mean it uh, from the bottom of my heart. Jim, I was honored to have you here. I'm really happy and glad that we had this interview together. And I'm sure that we add value to a lot of other people. And I really hope that I get the chance to interview again in the near future. Thank you so much for being here and see you again soon. Thank yeah, you. Thank you very much. It was my honor. Thank you.